Is this frequency in use? Welcome to Southgate Vibes, a selection of the latest stories direct from Southgate Amateur Radio News. I'm Steve Richards, Golf 4 Hotel Papa Echo, and in this podcast, you're going to hear my personal picks of what is happening in amateur radio and the wider world of communications. Whether you're just starting out in ham radio or an experienced operator spinning around the spectrum for those rare and sometimes strange signals, I hope you'll find something to entertain you here. Welcome to Southgate Vibes. Here we go again with another thumb through the diverse pages of all things to do with amateur radio and communications. You're tuned to podcast number 105. A real mixed bag for you this time, so I'm sure there'd be something to ignite your radio muse, if such a thing exists. One way or the other, if you're enthused to get hold of a shortwave radio and start spinning around that dial to seek out the huge diversity of signals you'll find there, you're on your way to becoming a radio fanatic. But a word of warning, it's both addictive and immersive. OK, let's put on our masks, sanitise our hands, and unlock this time's stuff of the ether. I wonder what you were doing 20 years ago. Well, at that time, Solar Cycle 23 was at its peak, and the sun was giving it both barrels to the earth most days, chucking everything from heat to x-rays to plasma at us. A particularly wild series of events occurred on October the 19th, 2001, and this could be a reminder of what we could expect in the next few years. Twenty years ago, two huge coronal mass ejections hit Earth's magnetic field. The rapid double blow sparked a severe geomagnetic storm, with auroras so bright that they were visible in some American states even before nightfall. Power grids, satellite networks and the internet all survived the event, which lasted for more than 36 hours. Spaceweather.com has a report on the incident, which says that in 2001, Solar Cycle 23 was peaking and solar activity was very high. Strong flares were a daily occurrence. On October the 19th, giant sunspot number AR9661 erupted twice in quick succession, producing almost identical X1.6 class solar flares. The double blast hurled two bright coronal mass ejections towards Earth. The first CME took only two days to reach the Earth. It was fast and potent and ignited a severe geomagnetic storm. The KP Interplanetary Index reached 8. That's pretty rare, bearing in mind that level 5 already denotes a geomagnetic storm. The storm kept going for more than 15 hours. Observers in North Carolina in America said that auroras were visible in twilight even before the evening sky went fully black. Less than a day later, the second coronal mass ejection arrived, and it happened all over again. Another 15 hours of strong to severe storming ensued. Red auroras were sighted in Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Australia, Japan, and in the United States. Observers are hoping for something similar from the current Solar Cycle 25. 
Keeping with the Sun's activity for our second item, solar eclipses have always been beneficial to science because they are off-normal events which can give much insight into what's going on 93 million miles away and how it impacts on our ionosphere. An eclipse visible in the Antarctic is coming up soon and radio amateurs collaborating with solar scientists are getting ready to take advantage of the situation. HAM SCI is the Amateur Radio Science Citizen Investigation, an initiative to connect amateur radio operators with scientific researchers and to use amateur radio as a citizen science tool to collect scientific data, particularly in geospace science. The HAM SCI Antarctic Eclipse Festival in December is seeking amateur radio participation. As the shadow of the moon passes across Antarctica on December the 4th, it will generate travelling ionospheric disturbances that will, in turn, affect radio propagation. The unusual geometry of this year's eclipses will give researchers an opportunity to investigate complicated ionospheric dynamics over the poles, as the long daytime of polar summer is briefly interrupted by the eclipse. During this and other HAM SCI Eclipse Festivals, radio hams and citizen scientists are asked to collect Doppler shift data from time standard stations, such as WWV, the USA Time Signal Station that broadcasts continuously on the shortwave bands. All that's needed is a shortwave radio connected to a computer. A GPS-disciplined oscillator is helpful for collecting the data, but it is not required. Data collection will run from December the 1st through to December the 10th, and the results will be made available for scientific analysis. All radio amateurs and shortwave listeners are invited to join in, even those located far from the path of totality. In 2020, more than 100 individuals from 45 countries took part in Eclipse Festivals. The instructions are available in multiple languages. Eclipse Festivals are pilot campaigns for the personal space weather station, HAM SCI's flagship project. The PSWS team seeks to develop a global network of citizen science stations. Participants monitor the geospace environment to deepen scientific understanding and enhance the radio art. For more information on the Antarctic Eclipse Festival and how to participate, visit the HAM SCI website, www.hamsci.org. You're listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment or a question, pop us over an email. Our address is vibes at southgatearc.org. That's vibes at southgatearc.org. You never know, we might feature your message in a future edition. Despite the restrictions of the COVID-19 pandemic, whatever efforts were practical have proceeded to keep us sane. The long-standing annual International Scout Jamboree may have been affected by the inability for many participants to travel, but the radio and internet offshoots of the event, known as Jamboree on the Air and Jamboree on the Internet, have still been able to go ahead. The International Amateur Radio Union reports that its Region 1 Youth Working Group, Team Yota, established a monthly online series called Yota Online during the COVID pandemic. In one of its episodes, the main topic covered was the Jamboree on the Air and Jamboree on the Internet Scout event. Marcus Klapdor of the World Organization of the Scout Movement was a guest on the one-hour live show. 
The youth team were invited to join the German Jota and Jyoti headquarters during the worldwide event held between the 15th and the 17th of October 2021. The team prepared an amateur radio setup for HF and satellite QO100 operations, and with the help of fellow hams, they were able to put together and operate the station Delta Lima Zero Juliet Oscar Tango Alpha. This special call sign was put on the air from Castle Rienek near Frankfurt in Germany. Twenty scouts from all over Germany joined the event, as well as some international scout representatives. Members of the youth team, Claudia, Delta Charlie 2, Charlie Lima, Philip, Delta Kilo 6, Sierra Papa, and Marcus, Delta Lima 8, Golf Mike, were very happy to introduce the world of amateur radio and its youth working within IARU Region 1. Good questions were asked by all those attending. There was an opportunity for talks with the chairperson of the European Scout Committee, Lars Kram, amongst others. The Youth Working Group will keep up contacts with the Scout Committee with a view to working together on future events. The Jamboree on the Air programme includes activities such as operating an HF radio or communicating via the geostationary amateur satellite QO100 using either single sideband speech or digital modes. Interestingly, the best response from the attending scouts was to the presentation about Morse code. The youth team were very impressed with what these young talented scouts already knew and they asked many detailed questions. There were also pre-arranged on-air contacts with other worldwide scout groups in countries such as Luxembourg, the Netherlands and England. The team also ran a small amateur radio direction finding fox hunt to show off the diversity of the amateur radio hobby. The organisers of the Scout get-together took care of the Jamboree on the internet part of the event themselves. They programmed little microbit computers, chatted with worldwide Scouts, or printed 3D models of antennas. In summary, it can be said that the cooperation was a complete success. This was confirmed from the very first personal meeting of those involved in the project, and is to be continued and steadily expanded on in the future. You can find out more about the IARU Region 1 Youth Team by visiting iaru-r1.org. It's quite surprising to me how often we report that amateur radio is still a major force in disaster communications. In some countries, the authorities are very sure of their official communication systems and have all but sidelined the need for amateur radio assistance. But in others, the benefits of having a large radio-savvy population spread all over districts and countries is a critical part of diverse communication plans. Remember, radio hams can store away their equipment. They can get it out again in the aftermath of disasters. Using temporary battery power supplies and stringing up modest but very effective temporary antennas, extemporising with whatever resources have survived to aid them, radio amateurs can be the only lifeline for the authorities to find out the status of affected areas and coordinate an effective response. The district administration in Kerala, a state on the tropical southwest coast of India, has sought the service of ham radio operators to coordinate disaster relief operations in case the official communication systems get cut off due to any rain-related incident. Recently, incessant rains and resultant flooding disrupted lives across central Kerala. Ham radio enthusiasts have quietly swung into action in Thrissur district, setting up unique workstations to ensure a reliable stream of communication in case nature's fury wreaks havoc on conventional methods of contact. 
Communication turns out to be a major challenge when natural calamities strike. During heavy floods, there are chances that the power supply will be down for days, which will affect the communication systems, including mobile phone networks. C.S. Sarachandran, a former merchant navy officer turned ham radio operator, is one of ten operators who have been engaged by the Thrissa administration to handle emergency communication in case of any untoward incidents. All the operators have the amateur station individual operator license issued by the union government. All the local administration offices in Thrissur district are now equipped with amateur radio facilities, so that even when all other communication systems are down, emergency services can still be contacted and details can be shared. The skills and equipment of ham radio operators were utilised during the 2018 August deluge, when the whole of Kerala state was ravaged. Due to severe flooding, power connections were lost in most parts. This affected official mobile communications in many places. Over 40 ham radio operators came to the aid of the district administration, working with them to help at least 2,000 people during the floods that year. Ham radio and its operations are considered as the king of all hobbies in India, and amateur radio, as it's otherwise known, is internationally accepted as a means of emergency communication. The full story can be read by searching the web for the Economic Times of India. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to Southgate Vibes, stories about amateur radio and the world of communications from Southgate Amateur Radio News. You can find these stories and many more daily reports at our website, southgatearc.org. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by sending an email to vibes at southgatearc.org. So until next time, this is Steve Richards, G4 Hotel Papa Echo, signing off and wishing you best 7-3.